with my co-hosts Archie hey hey y'all it's Archie what's up today's episode we have a very special episode this week is going to be about grief now I wasn't there in the interview unfortunately scheduling conflicts Archie did most of the heavy lifting so I wanted to ask you how was that conversation with Miss Siadat for the second time. Yeah, if you guys tuned in to our mental health episode, we obviously had a fantastic guest, which was Cynthia Siadat, trauma psychotherapist and founder of Living Fully Therapy. So she really broke down the issues with Filipinos and mental health and the struggle with dealing with mental health. And, you know, within the scope of today's um, events that have been happening with Angelo Quinto and also the anti-Asian hate crimes that are happening, we just felt like it's a very valuable time to talk about grief or grieving. Again, we are fortunate to have her guest on our show today. You know, it's always helpful when you have a professional guide you through what what you may have felt, what was going through your mind and trying to make sense of whatever um, feelings um, that you experienced during the time that you, you know, heard these things happening and are still happening today. So grief at first we all recognize is what you feel when you lose um, when someone passes away, when you lose a loved one or someone you know or a friend. Um, but grief could also be extended to what is happening in the world today. You know, there's so many outrageous things that happen, you know, day by day. Um, there's so many wrongs in the world, so many injustices. And um, especially in the age of social media, where it's, when it's so easy for us to catch the news in a lightning speed, at one point we're okay. And then we read something and then you feel your heart drop. Mm-hmm. So, and then it shakes you or you find yourself taken aback or, you know, you're shook and you don't know how to react. And that is also uh, part of grief, you know, immediately your body is kind of in shock and then you're you can't quite understand what you're feeling so for many of us that had um, been affected by the news of Angelo Quinto's passing that might have happened to you I know for myself specifically when I first heard the news about George Floyd and when I saw kind of the footage I was in shock and I admittedly grieved for a week like Every day, I was just in horror. Um, yeah, that was tough. Didn't know how to. Yeah, and obviously, it became something where um, a lot of people demanded a change in police reform, or you know, just policies taking care of people and really trying to make a change. And then now we find ourselves again in this moment, hearing about Angelo, and it's like it's like your kuya. It's like your pinsa and your cousin. It's like you're adding. It's like you in in the Filipino community, you know, you feel that. It's like that could have been my brother, and um, and so many of us probably had, you know, found ourselves in that space where we are we weren't sure kind of what we were feeling or we weren't 
you know, we didn't know where to place our feelings or where our thoughts were. And uh, maybe we were in the same, uh, maybe we've experienced episodes like Angelo where, you know, you really just needed help. But then in this case, um, it ended up taking his life. So with the news of Angelo Quinto and learning about it, you know, what what went through your mind? Um, What were your thoughts and how did you feel um, when it, when you heard the news or when everybody discovered that this had happened to him? Yeah. What were you feeling? What had you felt? Um, I don't want to make it sound like I didn't care about Angelo and like what happened with him, but I just did not watch the video or do any deep diving with it. Cause like every other day there's a different person, different Asian person dying. Like the, like there's a the Chinese man that had his hands up and he got shot. And then there was like the other Filipino man who got slashed across the face. Like what else? Like, do you really want to put in all of that image into your brain? Like, no, that's not for me. So I, because of my mental health, I'm just not going to watch any of that. But I did read on the story and it's disgusting because you want to trust all the police and reinforcements to help when nothing is good. But that's but when you have police coming in and doing these wellness checks, they don't actually know what they're doing. It should be like counselors and therapists who should be helping these people, especially when it comes to mental health crisis. That's what this episode's intent is really for, which is just to help us or guide us through what we had felt or what we were going through or maybe still be going through and um, have a professional help us understand that. And she even goes into the science of grief. So for you science nerds, uh, not only just psychology nerds, science nerds, this is a really good episode as well. But uh, we just felt it was a really important episode to have in order to provide some comfort for some of our listeners who are obviously predominantly Filipino, who uh, may have grappled with their emotions um, during this time. And also in general, there has been, and just to share some, you know, some stats with what's going on, um, anti-Asian hate crimes, and yes, we are Asian, anti-Asian hate crimes have risen dramatically amid the pandemic. Um, locally here, just to share with you guys, here in Vancouver, anti-Asian hate crime went up by 717%. That's not even by like 100%. That's insane. By seven times it had, you know, increased during this time. You know, when you hear about these horrible things of elderly abuse, you know, a Thai man in San Fran, you know, was shoved to the pavement and he died. And he wasn't shoved, man. He was body checked. Like he was, yeah, he was was like wrecked. It was awful. Yeah. He Um, died, right? Yes. He passed away from his injuries. A Filipino man in New York was slashed in the face the box cutter, um, two other Asian women in their sixties and seventies were assaulted. Like, let me quickly put my input in this. Okay. So a few months ago, there was a video online. There was this, um, Filipino lady, I would say like, uh, for me, a Tita out there in Calgary, as she was going back to her apartment, there was this guy just heckling at her, you know, get the F out of this place. You, it's because of you Asians, you brought the virus and, like he was heckling like really bad, so bad that she mm-hmm. had to call the police and the police got involved. And he was saying very menacing, threatening and hurtful things to this hopeless like Filipino because I could clearly tell she it's like she 
she's not far, but like she 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 been around not too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I couldn't help but feel sad that someone would disrespect and hurt someone like that so bad, especially being Filipino myself. She was crying. She you can hear in her voice. She was filming. She did her she did her thing by defending herself. She was filming, but her voice was shaking. So mm-hmm. I, I felt that really bad. And that's just one example of the seven plus seven hundred percent that you mentioned. Yeah, the many attacks that's happening right now, right? The rise of xenophobia and racism. We have this resurgence of like social justice, but at the same time, on the other side of the coin, there's this rise of this like horrific events happening with racism and xenophobia. And, you know, we we really have to stress that we really have to watch out for each other. And that's why we emphasize if it happened to your family like that, that would really affect you deeply. So I'm catching a case. Sorry. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to catch a case. Oh. <laughs> Cough me up man if that happen if something happened to one of my family members like that or uh, just some version of that uh, I'm going to catch a case. Yeah. Like call me an empath but whenever I hear these things like it it, it moves me deeply in a in a really negative way. Like I I feel it. Like it could have been my mom, it could have been my uncle, it could have been my dad. Like it's insane how people like evil people out there in the world feel like they have the license to um, abuse and discriminate. And so, you know, this really comes in the heels of, you know, white supremacy (laughs) being in the system for a very long time. And um, they feel like they are entitled to be able to attack other people who normally would just keep to themselves. That's the thing. Like us Filipinos, we, we don't want any trouble. Right. Like you don't want to shake the boat, you know, when it comes to pakikisama or just like, you know, not drawing attention to you, to yourself. Uh, these things that are happening to us. And I'm so glad that more and more are whipping out their phones. But I bet you there's your parents or your relatives have experienced these racist encounters and they've also experienced microaggressions and have never been able to speak up about it. Especially elders. They don't like they don't want to burden anybody. Uh, Watch out for your elders. Watch out for your family. Talk to them. Mm -hmm. It's a dangerous time out there. And I hope things get better. But up until then, even if it's uh, somebody you don't know and you're out in public and you know they're Filipino too and you know that they're being disrespected, like uh, watch out for them. Take care of each other. Whip out your phone. (laughs) Be a witness. Because in this time today, it's uh, incredibly important that we um, stick up for one another and support each other because nobody else is going to help us and nobody else is going to care about what we're feeling, what we're experiencing. And that's why we have to mobilize and tribe up, watch out for each other, just like you would if you were, just like you would if they were family. I mean, you know, when you go back to the Philippines, the stranger just treats you like family. Yeah. I mean, it should be no different here in the diaspora. So without further ado, thank you everyone for joining us for this very special episode. Please welcome Cynthia Siadat. Hi, Cynthia. Thank you again for joining us on the show. We obviously had a fantastic episode with you in regards to Filipinos and mental health, even touching on to depression. So today in this you know, in this very pivotal time, we could not resist to have you back on the show uh, to deal with grief. 
So, you know, we're going to have you just take us through that dealing with the emotions and trying to understand our feelings. But yeah, let's start it off with please tell us what is grief and what happens when you're grieving? Great. Yeah, I could do that. Um, so, I, you know, actually, before I, I get started, something that I want to do is, is speak to directly to you, listener, because one of the things uh, about grief is that it is quite a big overwhelm, can be overwhelming, kind of stressful topic. And one of the things I want for you to keep in mind is if it gets overwhelming at any point or it's tr- you're having and you'll know this if you're like having trouble focusing on the episode um, or or finding yourself getting stressed out or agitated. If you find yourself in that place please give yourself permission to step away, turn it off. You know, you don't have to revisit this episode if you don't want to. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and as you're listening, something, as we are talking about such a heavy topic, uh, in order to prevent trauma in the body, something that I would like for you to do is try to relax your muscles as much as you can. Um, do a, you know, scan your body every Every, every now and again and just check in um, and just imagine them like melting. That could be a good image. So thank you for that. Um, so to answer what grief is, so grief is an intense sorrow and it's so intense. Sometimes it, it almost feels painful and um, our focus can go nowhere else but on our loved one's passing. Um, And uh, there can come more extreme uh, events of like extreme focus or reminders of the loved one passing. And uh, that can also lead to some avoidance of either reminders or, you know, anything that could possibly trigger a memory. Um, and, and another piece about grief is that it also comes with commonly a sense of rumination. Uh, so rumination being, you know, your thoughts are just kind of running and running and running so fast. And, um, and so, you know, people can develop emotional and physical issues as a result. So depressive, depression kind of symptoms, trouble sleeping, uh, feeling agitated, like I mentioned, uh, anxiety, loss of appetite. And like, uh, and because our minds and our bodies are so connected, a general like ache and pain all over um, or in certain parts of the body. So that's, that's what grief is. And I wanted to um, also share a bit of my story when it came to grieving, as particularly to my grandma. And I wanted to just let the listeners know, um, and maybe this might be my personal experience and some of you might be able to relate, but when I was grieving, I was just beside myself. I I, I thought I was delusional. (laughs) I thought I was delirious because I was experiencing an overwhelming amount of different type of emotions. And with that, just like what you said, you know, it becomes exhaustive, right? It just drains your energy and you hit a point where you, you can't think and you can't focus because you're, you know, you're in this delirium of emotion and heartache 
and um, basically wanted to let you know that it's totally okay <laughs> to not be able to make sense of what you're feeling. I think, you know, some of us, when it comes to emotional things, and especially in our culture, when we, we're not used to talking about it openly, um, we try to find answers as to what's going on or what am I going through. We're trying to problem solve it. Um, that kind of just comes within the nature of, you know, of the environment that we're in sometimes. But really, there is a way where you could just let's accept that we can't make sense of it. Whatever we're going through is happening. Um, our brains can't think and we can't really process through what we are feeling. But that's totally okay. Um, and I think for many of us, you know, who have experienced that, um, it becomes something where we just embrace kind of, you know, that period of grief that happens. So particularly why here at Filipino Fridays, we wanted to talk about this very serious topic regarding grief is because of the recent events that happened regarding Angelo Quinto. So Angelo Quinto um, is a 30-year-old Filipino Navy veteran from Antioch, California, who died after police officers had knelt down on his neck for nearly five minutes. He lost his consciousness and died in the hospital three days later. Now, how this really impacts our community is, you know, not only did it feel like a, a wound was opened up all over again, um, you know, calling back to what happened with George Floyd last year, but also in the climate of like anti-Asian, you know, sentiment sentiments. You know, when it comes to us in our community, if, if something happens to one of us, we all feel it. We all feel like our kuya or our tito or, you know, our, our, our dad or, you know, it happened to us. And so right now, I think in this very um, important time, you know, we are seeking guidance from Cynthia to help us through kind of processing these emotions after hearing what happened to Angelo take us through how to navigate through these emotions and, you know, these things that we are seeing in the media and all of this, you know, complex feelings that we're experiencing. Can you help us with that? Absolutely. So I, I first really want to say that that example is so beautiful. You're, you're grieving of your grandmother, you know, losing sleep, not being able to make sense of it, feeling frustrated that you can't make sense of it. I, I, I that's such a good snapshot of what grief can look like. And, um, and what I want to share is that Grief is a lot like overwhelm, a lot like confusion, um, and, and just in its way, each of those emotions are the kinds of emotions that tend to go really, be really intense, and it's really difficult to make sense of it, and I would, I would actually argue that it's, it's impossible to make sense of it. Um, because each time you're like, well, what is this? It's, it's, uh, a couple things might come to mind, but then the next moment it's another couple things or the next moment it's another, you know, you'll, you'll kind of be in that rumination place over and over. And, and, and we grieve in direct correlation to how much we love someone. And, and like, like Archie's saying is, in our culture, we have a culture of interconnectedness. So when when I look at p 
pictures and videos of Angelo, I I see an adding. I see someone, my brother, I see, you know, and it it really moves me. I I, I mean, even as you were recounting what happened to him, my chest got really tight. And like right now, my... I know right now I'm crying. <laughs> I feel it. Yeah. My, my throat is really tight and, and I, I am okay, but I'm also with the community going through this grief and, um, and, you know, there, I, I think commonly people know about this different stages of grief that there can be. So, um, up until recently, there were seven stages and, and they, they're not so much stages that go linearly. They're stages that go like, uh, a pinball in a pinball machine. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll go down each of those and I'll just kind of describe each of them, but they're, they're pretty self-descriptive, but, um, but then I, I, I just like to add a note about them at the end. So, so the first, not the first, it might not be the first for you to have this, um, this stage, but shock and denial. So, you know, I know for my own self, I go in and out of remembering what happened to Angelo. I the same thing with George Floyd. I went in and out of remembering and it's, it's this state of disbelief and a bit of a numb state to be in. Um, and a, a second, uh, stage of grief is the pain and the guilt, um, pain over the loss, um, pain over the relationship maybe there were unresolved things or a sense of guilt you know a common thing for folks when they're survivors of of a really traumatic event is to feel guilty for surviving you know and and that's that's really really common um i wanted to uh, talk about that mm -hmm. um you know when i was grieving about my grandmom i felt guilty about feeling joy and being happy you know it's like mm -hmm. I had to like uh, mm -hmm. I had to stop myself like I found myself stopping myself from from laughing from feeling joy because I was just so sad I just felt like there's no point to feeling this happy right now because yeah. I just lost you know my favorite person in the world like there's no there, there's no meaning to living anymore. Like what, like, you know, and, and yeah, I totally resonate with when you say guilt, you feel guilty for feeling any joy. And then I discovered later, of course, as humans, we're allowed to have these emotions happen at the same time and right after each other. And it's totally okay. You don't have to be stuck in whatever, you know, emotion you're feeling at that time. But yeah, I, I totally felt that I may not have any had, you know, I did then recall like, oh, I felt guilty. I didn't attend her like 70th party. Like mm -hmm. I wish I went back mm -hmm. to this. Regrets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that, that guilt is powerful because it, it sits with you for a little bit, but yes, please continue. Yeah, no, absolutely. It is. It does sit with you and it does kind of pop up at these very, uh, inopportune sometimes moments, um, and sometimes seemingly out of nowhere. Um, but I'll, I'll let you know, there's, there's a wisdom in your body that probably kicked up 
some kind of sense of something that you felt with that grief moment and and reminded you. So uh, which which I, I'd like to um, just touch on that briefly is if you are witnessing or learning about Angelo's passing or whenever you learn about somebody else's passing and you have thoughts of other people you've known to pass, even pets, you know, it, if you have those thoughts, that's totally normal. And, and what's likely gonna, you know, occur for someone who's, who's having all of those thoughts and memories triggered is a bit of overwhelm. So just, just knowing one, it's normal. And two, that, you know, the, the way we want to handle that is, is with real gentleness. And, and like, like I was mentioning earlier with that real relaxed muscle kind of, um, way of being. Um, and I literally mean your physical muscles <laughs> if I wasn't clear. Um, so I'll, I'll continue with the stages of grief, but the, the third is anger and bargaining. So, you know, being, uh, you know, when I'm not in shock and denial, I'm angry. And when I'm, when I'm not, you know, I, I've ex certainly experienced my own losses. And, and one of the things that I've commonly thought to myself in this stage is, well, if I had just dot, 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 if I had just been there a little bit longer, if I had just been able to, and, it, and then it can couple itself with that grief, if I could have just been able to tell them one more time that I love them so much. So, you know, these, these kinds of things and, and, and I'll go into this a little bit later, but what's happening in our mind is that it's it's on the fritz. You know, it's it's really trying to make sense of something that's nonsensical. Um, and so so all of these things. So the shock, the pain, the guilt, the denial, the anger, bargaining, um, we can also develop depressive kind of symptoms. So that's that deep sadness or, you know, low low energy. Archie, you mentioned the exhaustion. The exhaustion of grieving is so real. Um, you know, I know that uh, uh, when people have passed in my life and we did the novena for nine days, that is a marathon of, of grieving, you know, and I, I love that ritual and it is, it is, uh, you know, people take turns for a reason. Um, so let me see, there is the acceptance of the passing and, and yeah. And so the acceptance can look like, you know, I know that they're gone. It makes me sad, but I know they're gone. And I know that things will eventually be okay. So it's the reinstilling of this hope and reinstilling of, you know, like what you were saying of like, initially I might feel guilty for feeling joy, but then I remember, you know, if it's a loved one or even if it's somebody you had a strained relationship with, life still goes on afterwards. Um, we, we miss them and we love them and it hurts to think about them or it can actually. Um, but, but it definitely is, you know, that life continues to go. Um, so, yeah. And there's no 
just a reminder for everybody there there's no time you know there there's no set time where you have to get over the grieving process you know it for some it might be sooner than others and for others it might take a long time it might even take years and that's totally okay and you know one way to kind of unburden you know that that pain is to share happy memories about that person or um, talk about them with others that way you know it alleviates that burden in your heart a little bit but don't ever feel like you know just as you're starting to get yourself organized and you're trying to make sense of life again that like oh oh no like I I, I like, uh, does this mean I'm done grieving? Like it, it, it happens. It comes, you know, what's funny. My friend sent me this example once and she's amazing for this. Shout out to Soleil. I know you listen <laughs> to this episode. So I'm just, I'm just shouting out to you. She says that, you know, grief is like this big red button inside. So imagine you're like a, a square and then there's like a button inside. And so there's like a ball that like moves in and around the room. And then one day, boom, it hits the button and it happens. And it could be, you know, and I think this happens for many of us. It could have been maybe six months after the person is gone, could be the year after. It actually could still happen, you know, 15 years down the line still. And, um, and when that happens, you know, she was so amazing. She's like, let me know when that red button is hit, give me a call. Um, I'm here for you. And, you know, if you need to just cry it out, just let me know. And I thought it was just such a great example. I don't know where she might've referenced it from, but, you know, I just thought, you know, it was such a great example because when you do, um, when you, when you do lose somebody, you, you at that point, you are marked for life, mm-hmm. I would say. And that red button is inside. And there's going to be days where the ball is not going to hit it. But there's going to be days where it does and it hits it hard. And it, that overwhelm, mm-hmm. like you said, takes over. And, um, and that's totally okay. So don't ever feel like, you know, there's this, oh, I'm supposed to be grieving. I'm supposed to move on, be mm-hmm. moved on by now. And that that's... It's a totally human thing to have to experience that all over again, maybe years down the road, right? So, yeah, it is. Right now, obviously, the in terms of you know just bringing it back to Angelo, um, Angelo's story, um, the Filipino community is greatly impacted at this time, um, especially for the type of community that is still you know struggling to. Um, work through mental health and emotions and feelings and talking to each other about it and addressing it. Um, This is a really pivotal time where we need to take care of each other, you know, whether it's from hearing Angelo's story or maybe having heard of our fellow, um, you know, family members or people we know that may have been affected by, you know, the social climate today with, with um, racist attacks, you know, what can we do to be there for each other? Or how can we help each other in our community? Um, so pretty specifically related to, you know, the, the climate that we find ourselves in with all of the anti-Asian sentiments. Um, it, is, it is a community collective pain right now. And, 
you know, even if you may not feel the pain, we are so energetically connected to one another that if you're, you ever notice when you're with somebody anxious or with somebody sad, you kind of feel it in your body. And there's a mirror neuron process happening in your brain, whether you know it or not. And, and so, you know, it's, it is a a collective thing that's happening right now. And, and, you know, I mentioned those, those stages of grief. And recently there was one of, um, uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's, uh, um, 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 I almost said protege, but he's like a, he's like a, a mentee of hers. And, um, he recently, I think his name is David Kessler. And he recently came up with what I thought is part of how we take care of ourselves and take care of each other, which is the, what he's calling the eighth stage, which is making meaning. Um, he has an amazing interview with Brene Brown, actually, I think it's one of her first episodes where he's talking about that eighth stage of making meaning. And, you know, something that I'm seeing online around uh, social media is, you know, people are advocating, people are using their voice and sharing Angelo's story, you know, and, um, you know, the thing that I'd like to say if is if this is, you know, the event that has kind of shaken that social justice bone inside of you, a potential meaning out of all of this could be this was the moment where I committed myself to being a part of this social justice movement. And so I, I just want to share that last stage as a part. And then, you know, I, I think your example of having a loved one, somebody who knows you, somebody who you feel safe with and and even better if the 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 safety is reciprocal like they also feel safe with you um i would recommend going to them saying to them something of the like of you know i'm learning that i am at risk for grieving right now because of what's going on in the filipino community and or whatever you know regardless of your own background but you know letting them know that that may mean that i might you know get into some moods or feel really low or something but i i'd like to ask you to check in with me if you see me like showing some kind of something if it's anger or sadness or or just like that grief you know please confront me tell me and yeah i might not like it in that moment but you have full permission and it is it is again like i might not like it it might even like cause a riff between us but i want you to know and you can remind me of it in that moment like you you gave me permission to do this and and what and even if it damage damages my connection with you entirely which is doubtful if you remind me that i asked you is is that you know if you if you let me know you're potentially saving my life and, and like literally and figuratively you know like when when grief takes a hold of us um we our thoughts our minds go so into the past 
so, so into the past. And um, we're thinking about things that go uh, went on before or things that are going to come. It's like, oh, no, what what's going to happen on my wedding day when da, 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 they're not there? You know, our our minds are apt to go elsewhere other than the present moment. And and for you to call me out and tell me, hey, you're you're kind of spacing or you're kind of acting off. What's going on with you? will will likely save my life from being that not being present and and i i can't take credit for this this uh uh intervention i was i was taught this by my trauma uh mentor eric gentry but but i do think it is so valuable and so uh, accomplishes so many different things that we need to heal like this connection um, hopefully remembering to be and live in as relaxed a body as you can because um, our bodies will heal themselves over time we, we do have an instrument that tries to heal itself that's why you know when we have infections like it's it's like shooting blood out to push out the infection um, you know it's a self-healing mechanism and the way that we help our emotions heal and even sometimes our bodies our literal bodies, our physical bodies heal from illness is, is we can help it promote healing and wellness by relaxing our bodies, relaxing our muscles. So, yeah. yeah just to um, kind of add to that, you know, despite how that person may call you out or you've, you know, you, there's that understanding between you really, they become an anchor in this drowning sea of feelings and uh, I'm obviously so thankful. I, I have a friend who, you know, put, put herself forward and say, hey, you know, when your red button is hurt or when your red button's hit and you're feeling hurt, you know, let me know. Um, and yeah, like that person really um, could save your life in terms of, you know, what you're going through. And it's just so incredible. Just the, the, the human body. I mean, you know, in grief, uh you do get physically sick because you're exhausted, like you're not taking care of your body. Yeah, yeah. So having to relax and kind of give yourself that peaceful moment is a recuperation of not only your health, but also, you know, it, it, it kind of, um, it, it uh, brings up your energy again to, you know, deal with whatever you're going through. Um, I wanted to share one of my favorite quotes that I turned to whenever I would get all up in my feelings about grieving. <laughs> um, and it's something I've held really close ever since a friend of mine sent it to me. And, um, you know, grief I've learned is really just love. It's all the love you want to give, but cannot. All the unspent love gathers up in the corner of your eyes the lump in your throat, and in that hollow part of your chest. Grief is just love with no place to go. So I wanted to share a little bit about, I love my grandma. She raised me. I grew up with her. She was my favorite person in the world. And so I just felt like, you know, I had no will to live when she passed away. And when I heard of this quote, it really just made me feel like, you know, I have this overabundance love of her for her at her and now it has nowhere else to go. And, you know, when I recall back to Filipino Fridays, you know, which is something I'm incredibly passionate about and 
it's something just that gets me up, you know, every morning um, that really, you know, it doesn't take away whatever love I have. I had for her and I have for her, it became kind of another channel that I could express my love. You know, like this is, I have so much love to give. It went to my grandma. And then now, you know, there's this thing that I love so much to do. Um, I love my culture. I love my family. And like, this is a way I could do it. And, um, you know, that, that really is what kind of gave me some peace, like reading that quote. And I hope, you know, by sharing this quote for, for you, for, um, for listeners out there, this also brings you some comfort, but you know, maybe that is the eighth stage making meaning out of it. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, you know, like you're overflowing with love. I, I was like, oh yeah, that, that could be a meaning like, you know, you're overflowing with love and therefore, you know, grandma's physical body isn't here to pour it onto. So you're pouring it into something, you know, you can pick up with your five senses, but like it, it, it's so beautiful because it does not even kind of touch the level of love that you have for her. And that's, that's really, really an amazing capacity that you and I, and we have as, as humans to have such big internal experiences. And um, I, I know I had kind of alluded to or said I would talk a little bit about what was going on in the brain. I don't know if there's time for that here or if you want. Please do. Yes, please. You know, we're obviously we're understanding what's going through the heart. Now take us through what goes through the mind, what goes through the brain. And for all of you other, you know, science nerds out there, I know this is what you're getting for, where you, you can't trust your heart, but I'll trust what my brain says. And take us through the, you know, the science behind grief, please. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am totally with all of you who want to know like my physical body, what is it doing when I'm overwhelmed? And, and, and the, the, sh the short of it is that there are a couple of different sections of the brain. Like I, I'm sure folks have either at some point or maybe now's the first time hearing about your parasympathetic and your sympathetic nervous system. So those are actually referring to specific areas of your brain. So like your parasympathetic nervous system is this part. Oh, I don't know if this is going to be a video, so I should describe it. The top of your head, like center top of your head to your eyebrows is what's considered part of your parasympathetic nervous system. And that's the system that helps keep us calm, that helps us regulate our emotions and, and really make sense of a potential real or perceived threat to our, our safety. Sometimes when an emotion is so intense, our body can start to pick up on it like it's a threat. Um, and so I, I had mentioned earlier that grief is like overwhelm and confusion, and it just doesn't make sense. And that's for our anxiety that is ripe, that ripe playground for, for the worst possible case scenario. So, um, so what happens at that point is that top part of our brain picks up on, on something and is like, 
like, oh, we have to decide what this is. And it immediately like disbands or um, distributes energy to the other parts of the brain. So it starts to distribute it to the front part of your brain and then to the back, which is more closely related to the part of the brain that's called the sympathetic nervous system. And that's the fight or flight or freeze part of the brain. And our brains have a finite amount of energy in them. So when yeah, when our sympathetic nervous systems are activated, it, it gets activated when we're stressed, when we're busy, when we're overwhelmed, when we're anxious. All those times where you feel your muscles tense, that's your that's your sympathetic nervous system telling your muscles to like protect. Uh, and, and we protect if you tend to roll your shoulders forward. It's literally because you're, you're protecting your main organs in your core. And so, so, you know, when, when the sympathetic nervous system or our amygdala is hyperactive, it pulls all of the brain's energy to the back and, and, and to that sympathetic, those, those parts of the brain that are associated with the sympathetic nervous system. And, and so we either f fight it, fly. So fighting it could look like we're agitated, we're, we're being like maybe um, com not com combative is a little strong, but maybe even combative. Um, and then there's flying. So that could look like that avoidance piece I was mentioning earlier, avoiding any kind of memory or, or thought or denial altogether. Um, so it'll, it'll induce that once the system is overwhelmed, once our fuel our all that finite energy has been used up, it can, and this all, by the way, happens lightning fast. It's like, like, so, so quick for our brains. Um, it, it can induce like a whole shutdown. And that's where we get like that deer in headlights kind of overwhelm. Like I'm numb. I don't know what's what, what's up and down and right and left. Um, and so, yeah. I totally feel that. I, I felt like I crashed. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, ah. And then I, I felt like I just totally just crashed. Like I couldn't. I had no energy. Like for somebody who is, you know, more uh, typically hyper vigilant, hyper vigilant, and you know, who uh, typically faces anxiety, it was like an extreme short circuitness of what's happening in my brain and my body and everything. That when I was like at the very peak of it, I felt like I just had a whole crash, and I just, you know, you know, that's why there's moments where it's real. Like you, you feel like you can't get up because you you're just like yeah there's the, that surge that happened yeah and yeah like you that's it like like yeah if you if you feel all fired up like that chances are that's your sympathetic nervous system I, I i can almost promise you that's what's hyperactive in that moment and and if you just can't get out of bed you're like so done so exhausted can't can't lift a finger i remember once i was grieving so much i i like only could type on my phone to text with one finger <laughs> and now it's a joke between me and my husband like one finger 
Like, how much energy do you have today? <laughs> um, but just knowing, like, we all grieve in such different ways. Our all each of our bodies, while we do have these similarities as part of our bodies, like the sympathetic nervous system, the parasympathetic, we all respond to it differently. So, you know, try your best to know that how you're grieving is exactly how you ought to grieve, however long, however short, however, however non-existent, you know, whatever it is, that's your process. And, and try not to judge yourself in your grieving process. And by that, I, I think it'll be a little bit easier to not judge others grieving processes either. Um, because if they're grieving by like going on a shopping spree or something, that's, that's way different than like laying in your bed in the dark with no lights on kind of a thing. Yeah, so. definitely. And, um, I was just wondering just out of my curiosity, you know, when, when mm-hmm. our body responds to grief, uh, in whatever different way it is, would you say that the body is almost just, you know, it's its own tell of how to cope with whatever is going through your neurons, your brain activity. Yes. Yep. Yep. So like, you know, I mentioned, so grief, overwhelm, anxiety, and stress. It's generally just distress is how we want to think about any of those emotions is um, whenever that's happening in our body, we'll tend to, like I know for myself, I tend to shrug my shoulders and they're a little bit higher and closer to my ears. So like I might relax them down. So the tell is, is that my shoulders are all tensed up. One of my tells, I have several. My, my other tell is like my eyebrows. Like I see like a little wrinkle between my eyebrows. That's a tell for me to try to relax those muscles because what what relaxing our muscles does is help restore the functioning of our parasympathetic nervous system Mm, just just even three five three to five seconds of relaxing the muscles of your body can restore your parasympathetic nervous system back into order and help it organize itself then that's access to everything that we have in terms of like uh, troubleshooting, uh, figuring something out, um, determining, is this a real threat to me or not? Because in, in life we have real versus perceived threats. I think we talked about that last time a little bit. Um, but no, um, not, not so much, but could you elaborate about that a little bit? Sure. Um, a real threat would be something like a bear or somebody coming at you with a bat. Like that, that's a real threat. In those situations, the thing you want on is your sympathetic nervous system because you'll either fight or fly, you know, and um, interesting enough, there are like animals who freeze and play dead so that their predator doesn't get them. That's, that's that reptilian part of our nervous system at play. So we want that in events of real threat. However, we also, in the event of real threat, we also want to do our best to have some of the parasympathetic nervous system on. And what, what that does when we, you know, that top of the brain, it's called the neocortex. And it's, it's like, you want to think of it like uh, ground control at an airport. And it says to your front of the brain, your frontal cort or frontal lobe says like, okay, there's been a threat. 
And so you have to determine whether it's real or perceived. So I went over what a real threat is. A perceived threat would be like your boss comes to you and gives you an assignment five, like 4.55 p.m. on Friday and says, <laughs> this is due uh, this report, this like X number of pages report is due on Monday at 8 a.m. That's a perceived threat. And I and it's uh, not that uh, you're not stressed or you're not, you know, like it's not a stressful or demanding thing. That's that's uh, a bit separate. But are you in danger? No, not in that moment. Um, I, I mentioned my mentor, Eric Gentry, and he asked a full room of us, uh, of therapists, whether or not in that moment we thought we were safe. And we were in one of those, uh, like the Hilton in like one of those ballrooms with the chandelier. And none of us raised our hands to say we're safe right now. Oh, very and, interesting. And he was like, okay, well, point to it. Mm-hmm. Point me to the danger. Where's the danger? Yeah. And one one of the other participants pointed at the at the ceiling and was like, that ceiling could break and that chandelier could fall on you. And his response is true, and it's not happening right now. It's it can. I totally agree with you. It can happen. And it's not happening right now. Um, you know, when our uh, when that sympathetic nervous system is on, it wants for us to do that thing of projecting into the future. What if what if this happens? What if that happens? And it pulls us so out of the present that we're just like like reacting all over the place because we're 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 anticipating some future pain. And that comes from past pain. You know, like we're trying to prevent past pain, but the past pain's already passed and the future you can't really control it. <laughs> can't control it. That's crazy how like the 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 brain kind of works from that, right? And that that's because the, the, Really, that's how we learn, right? You don't do it again. Yes. <laughs> don't make yeah, a mistake yeah, yeah. again. And so, you yeah. know, you're hardwired where it's like, okay, well, I don't want to do that again. So I'm going to think like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially, you know, I'm going to put it out there and you guys could probably tell in the way that I, you know, I even speak. It's like, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I have like a plan A, B, C, like <laughs> coming up next because, yeah, yeah. Uh, I had learned experiences that it's trying to teach me like, you know, prepare yourself. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. And planning, planning is still a good thing, you know, and, and if people have questions about this, please, please reach out to me because at first I had some time to like, I've had time to absorb all of it, but like it, planning is still a good thing. A- anticipating good things in our life is a good thing. Anticipating future pain that we cannot control is, is, is a waste of our time where we're pulled out of our present moment and not, not able to stay with our loved ones or stay in a conversation with our boss or stay in a conversation with a friend. We're like elsewhere. We're, we're planning like, and I, I love planning. I think planning is is an important facet to be able to get the things you want to get done and accomplish your goals. And, and this is slightly different in that 
it's what I'm what I'm referring to is more of that sort of hyper vigilant kind of state, that state of distress where, you know, it's not a real physical threat. Like there's no bear, there's no person with a bat, but your, your brain is telling you, let's pretend like there is. Yeah. Yeah. And then your body shows it. Yeah. Um, and, and then it kind of cycles itself. So anyway, but that's, that's the bit that I can talk about in terms of the brain. But yeah, if anybody had questions, I'm so happy to talk about it more. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I, I mean, I feel like I learned so much in this short time that we we went through. I mean, not only kind, you know, this kind of started off maybe more uh, more of a heavier topic and uh, a lot to kind of um, digest when it comes to emotions. But then it's nice to kind of just understand the brain and the the you know the mental wiring behind it um, when it comes to grief because. Yeah, you know, if we can't really make sense of it in terms of how we feel, we can maybe try to understand with how it is with what we're thinking and how our body copes with it and how to deal with it. So, you know, just trust yourself and what you're feeling and, you know, be, uh, show yourself some grace <laughs> when, Absolutely, it, yeah, yeah. when it comes to dealing with this and everybody, you know, as we know, learn to relax. <laughs> and, and the, you know, I, I love this stuff about the brain because the thing I, I like to communicate to to folks that I talk to about it is that these systems that I just described they go off involuntarily we do not have control over them we can't it's like it's like the same kind of involuntary that has us breathe you know but 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 what I do want to say is is share that information and hopefully depersonalize a, a little bit like any shame or guilt or or sense of like I'm doing this wrong. It's it's really, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of um sense in holding yourself accountable and responsible for something you can't control. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and, you know, certainly there are things that can, but you know, when we, that we can control when it comes to our mind, but there's a great deal that we can't. So uh, that's most of why I, why I share about this kind of nerdy neuro stuff. <laughs> we love it over here. Well, with that, you know, thank you so much. Um, it's always such a valuable moment every time we get to talk to you. And for us specifically is, you know, Filipinos, uh, so amazing. We have a resource like you. Um, yeah. You know, uh, there, could you share with us you know, other uh, therapists or um, other figures that people could look into or other books that you may suggest into deep diving into this a little bit more in terms of the Filipino-American, Filipino-Canadian, the Filipino experience when it comes to, you know, mental health? Yeah. Um, so I would definitely recommend... Um, uh, let's see. There's Dr. The Dr. Therapinai. Yeah, that was a really good one. I freaking <laughs> love her. Um, let me see. Uh, Kevin Nadal. 
and uh, EJ David, uh, Dr. EJ David and Dr. Nadal. Um, and let me see who else. I'm looking at my Facebook list. And don't uh, forget, everybody, there's Living Fully IG. <laughs> yes, 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 come and follow me at Living Fully IG. That's my handle on Instagram. Um, and then also Dr. Vanya, I just met her i think i'm saying your name correctly vanya manipad um really uh, i think she used to also have uh have an instagram that was called like freud and fashion if anybody was familiar with that but but that she's a um physician uh speaker writer professor um really really amazing stuff comes from that that uh that account so Wonderful. Well, thank you again for um, not only being on our show, but always being our guiding light <laughs> through these um, topics, these emotions. Um, of course, you know, being a Filipino, it's just uh, it's just so special to um, have somebody kind of help us through these uh, feelings and, and our experiences. So as always here at Filipino Fridays, we are eternally grateful to have you jump onto the show. Oh, happy to. Thank you for having me. And um, before we end it off, uh, please tell everybody where they could find you. Um, uh, just share your contact details and yeah. Sure. So uh, my website, you can reach out to me through there and it's www.iamlivingfully.com. Um, I'm recently pretty active on Instagram, so you could find me there, Living Fully IG. And then I also run a Friday, most Friday evenings run a, a Living Fully conversation where folks on Clubhouse, if you're on there, are um, just sharing their their connection to the to the week's topics. So uh, let me think if there's anything else. And if you want to email me directly, you could email me at Cynthia at IamLivingFully.com. Wonderful. Thank you again for being on our show. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thank you, Cynthia, for that very informative episode. I just want to first say, I don't think I said in the first part, rest in power, Angelo Kinto. Yeah. Rest in power. There's a lot of things that need to be improved in the system, not just the system, people in general. And I just want to share a little story about what I thought. Fortunately for me, I don't think I've felt a severe level of grief. I don't think so. Definitely felt extreme sadness, but I don't think I've felt grief yet, fortunately. Or maybe I'm just a freaking robot and I don't have emotions. But no, it's just it hasn't arrived in your stage of life yet. That's all. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm pretty that's okay. That's, I'm, that's I'm cold. I'm pretty cold. <laughs> I'm pretty cold, man. I think I would only cry or How like. Could you be so heartless? <laughs> yeah. I, okay, I'll tell you something right now. Maybe a, not even two months ago, a childhood friend that I spent a lot of time with passed away. Very young. Rest in peace, Nick. I don't know what the reason was for his death, and I don't want to know. I have a, I was, we have suspicions, but you know, I didn't even, I, I this might sound, I didn't feel nothing, man. Mm. I didn't feel nothing. Yeah. I felt disappointed in some capacity, 
but I didn't feel, I didn't feel anything. You didn't get to grieve. Yeah. You didn't it, really it, grieve. It didn't hit me. Um, and that's okay. Yeah. And that's okay because, you know, everybody grieves differently. Um, it might just catch you out of nowhere, like years down the road, or maybe, you know, the, uh, level of relationship isn't there enough for grief and that's totally fine. So, so Archia, how about you? Are you, can you share a little bit about your experience regarding grief? Last year, um, we lost our grandmother and that was the first time we've ever experienced like a loss in a family so to speak. And so when that happened, no one really knew how to react. Everyone is super emotional. And like, I mean, we're all Bisaya on this side. So of course we're all emotional, but like times a billion <laughs> in that, in that matter. But um, no, yeah, uh, it's honestly, I kind of like blocked out a lot of it. So I just don't remember. And, and also it just happened so fast too, like from the time that we are, now and from then it just seems so far to me um but personally like i've had loss in my life i've had i've lost friends or whatever but um when it came to this it was it's weird it was a weird feeling uh it's just kind of like a empty void so to speak like it, there's all, it always feels like there's something not there when there should be um but no honestly I just had a really good support system of friends like shout out Desiree Kelsey Jody and Jay because <laughs> I would not have got through 2020 without them but no um yeah I spend most of my time just like thinking and reflecting and then just surrounding myself with friends and most of part just like try not to dwell on the fact that she's gone yeah so with me it was kind of if I were to like update on how I'm dealing with it right now I feel fine but I mean it it just comes in waves it comes and goes and it it'll hit harder when you most not expect it but my advice for anyone who like uh who's grieving a loss a major loss is to have that strong support system around you so then they can fill in the love that was lost but of course it's not going to be exactly the same okay great yeah just like we talked about when it came to the red button being hit you know um surround yourself if you have a, an anchor that will, will be able to help you through those um dark periods or sad periods um yeah reach out and don't be afraid to reach out when you need somebody to alleviate that burden in your heart the one that i took away from finding meaning. Uh, I shared, you know, when I was grieving my grandma, I, I just had this like overabundance of love that I would usually, you know, pour out to her at her. And then now it had nowhere else to go. And then now I've taken that love and then I've channeled it into this podcast <laughs> as, uh, you know, the passion for my culture, the passion for um, caring for my fellow Filipinos. Um, that was kind of the uh, abundance of love. It didn't take away from the fact that I obviously love her immensely, still love her immensely, but whatever overflowing love that I had, I was able to put that in something positive. And that's kind of the meaning that I found in, um, in doing the work that I do right now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I hope you guys could tell when we do this podcast, 
we really mean it when we say we care about <laughs> sharing our Filipino culture, caring about one another. Um, I really hope you could feel that, that we genuinely, authentically are sending our love through these episodes by addressing cultural issues that we feel would provide some understanding, provide some perspective and um, yeah, provide some comfort, man. <laughs> comfort all the time. But before yeah. we end this off, let me, let me give you, let me tell some of the audience what I suggest you do with grief. Okay. Boys, you listening? <laughs> Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm getting ready. What, what is it? I'm joking. I'm not going to make a joke yet. But No, I love it. I love it. You know what? We we need someone like you to lighten it up. I mean, it's not this episode wasn't all that daunting anyways, but, you know, it just seems like a scary thought, but it really isn't. But okay, yeah, let me come put on, some philosophical stuff going on. Look, honestly, yeah. I, I actually believe that time heals everything. The more you just let time go you'll eventually get over things the more you start repeating the same routine every day you'll get over it you'll you'll forget about it okay that's that's facts it might take 10 years it might take 15 years and i know you know my case it took me a hell of a long time dark times baby <laughs> <laughs> that's an inside joke y'all <laughs> yeah that's a big inside joke but for the boys out there, you suck it up. Right. <laughs> no tears for you. No tears. Pump some DMX. <laughs> you, you keep it to your chest and you keep moving forward, okay? You keep moving forward, you keep stepping forward because you can't, you're not going to go backwards, right? No, you're going to keep moving forward. You're going to keep pushing through. You understand? Okay. You need some alpha male in here. I'm going to be the alpha male in here. Suck it up. Okay. There, there's no... No time to be acting like a little uh, softy out here. Okay. We go hard. No simps allowed. <laughs> exactly. You take no days. You, you could take one day off, not two days off. You take one day off. <sighs> no, but really guys, it's very healthy for you to give into your emotions and become vulnerable when you're completely overwhelmed with it. But well, if you're I understand. overwhelmed with it, you better do it alone in your room. <laughs> you better, you better cry alone. Man, I, I would be scared to be like to have you as my dad. <laughs> cry alone. Well, with that said, OJ, please close us off. Make sure you follow and like and support the Filipino Fridays podcast. We do have a bunch of new and exciting news to share with everyone. I want to say thank you on behalf of the Filipino Fridays podcast. Not going to release anything yet. But stay tuned. I promise. Like I said, keep moving forward. You keep pushing through. You keep going on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we're out here manifesting things like, you know, we obviously can't share very much, guys, but we have some really exciting news and really this credit it goes to you. So thank you to all the listeners. Thank you for continuing to share our content, um, especially on Instagram. We love it that we see you tagging us. Uh, sharing it on your stories, um, you know, the sound bites that we have on Instagram. So if your friends don't follow us already, tell them to follow Filipino Fridays podcast on Instagram. And um, <clears throat> as always, we invite you to send us your feedback, any ideas, uh, comments, um, questions. So make sure you hit us up, um, either hit the email button on Instagram or 
email contact at filipinofridays.com. We would like to also uh, thank our partners, Potato Corner BC and CITR 101.9 FM for continuing to support this podcast. You can catch us on CITR 101.9 FM every Monday at 11 a.m. You know, guys, we cannot wait to share with you, you know, some of our upcoming partners. We can't wait to share with you the wonderful news. Um, Filipino Fridays is going to become more than just the podcast. We <laughs> we just want to um, preface that now. So when we say watch this space, we are, you know, reaching out to you um, and letting you know that we are working on some things to continue to build this community. So thank you for all the love and thank you for all your support. Thank you for tuning in, guys. We are the Filipino Fridays podcast. I'm your host, OJ, with my co-hosts. Archie. It's Archie. And we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you, everyone.